0: Hi there, this is Sherry Lee Myers. Welcome to How to Connect with Angels. We believe that no matter what, every person has the unconditional love and help of angels, our messengers from God. But we have to be willing to believe, and we have to be willing to ask. That's what our film, The Glitch, that we are shooting here in New Orleans, is all about, with the help of some amazing music and talent. If you're curious, visit us at theglitchmovie.com and take a look. But now, right now, let's talk to someone who's devoted to helping us make a divine connection. Julie Ryan is an inventor, entrepreneur, author, and an acclaimed medical intuitive. She works with individuals and healthcare providers to help diagnose medical conditions and to facilitate healing. Julie also assists individuals and their families who have a loved one progressing through the dying process. Julie Ryan's recent book, Angelic Attendance, illuminates the 12 stages of that final transition. Good morning, Julie Ryan. Well, good morning, Miss Sherry. (laughs) Julie Ryan, another hometown girl. You grew up in Ohio just like me. That's so cool. That's, That's so right. cool. And now you live in Birmingham, Alabama. I live in New Orleans. You have spent time in, in Los Angeles, just as I have. You have this extraordinary array of gifts that you are. And I am going to reel them off. And you folks <laughs> listen to this. Julie Ryan is an invent, it is an inventor. She is an inventor. She is an entrepreneur. She is an author. She is a medical intuitive. She is a psychic. Julie, what, how, how what, what, how are you able to do all of this amazing intuitive stuff? What is your training? How did it open up for you?
1: Well, I'm an inventor of surgical devices, orthopedic surgical devices. Yeah. And I and I was in the medical supply industry, Sherry, for 35 years.
0: Were you guided to create these? Would you say that?
1: Uh Guided to create because I introduced products in the American marketplace and through different corporate maneuvers, uh, had them taken away from me, my company, oh. after I introduced them because they went with a big global distributor oh my and God. I knew, I knew everything that was good about their product and good about the competitors products. And I knew all the, all the, um, things that were not so good. Mm-hmm. So I I sued them in federal court and won. Good. And then I started a company to compete with them and brought in brilliant engineers and um, told them what I wanted the product to be. And they... They drew it up for me, and then I got them patented, and then I licensed it to the biggest global orthopedic company in the world. So was I inspired?
0: No, uh, you just inspired me. Let's just put it that way. You inspired me. That's an amazing story of tenacity and guts and standing up. You know, it
1: was because (laughs) I say I was not 30 yet. (laughs) And I was in federal court in Boston for 10 days. And I and this was a 30 billion dollar Swiss pharmaceutical parent company with an American subsidiary. And I, they breached my contract. And so I walked into court with my lawyer from LA who we'd gotten permission for him to try the case there. And they had five lawyers in court, Sherry. And I walked (sighs) in, I thought, Oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah, But it was just everything really just fell into place. Even to the point, can I tell you a really quick story about this? That was just divine guidance. Of course, of course. My lawyer said to me, I use this. I was living in L.A. at the time, and he said, I use this professor of economics at at USC at Southern Cal as an expert witness when we're talking about big numbers and things like that. And and uh, so I'd like to bring him in on this case because we're going to have to show damages. And I said, that's fine. And he told me his name. And I said, his name was Mark Zupan. And I said, Mark Zupan? I said, I went to high school in Columbus, Ohio with a Mark Zupan. And he goes, oh, okay. So I said, give me his phone number. And that was before email because this was in the late 80s. Wow. So I call down to USC, and I get Mark Zupan on the phone. I said, are you the Mark Zupan that graduated from Bishop Waterson High School in Columbus, Ohio? And he goes, are you the Julie Ryan that was in my class? Oh, Honest to God, Sherry. Yes. But more importantly, <laughs> the trials in Boston in federal court, uh-huh. Mark did his undergrad and his master's at Harvard and did his PhD at MIT. Oh, my He's God. A- He's a homeboy educated in Boston. Awesome. Being an expert witness in Boston. Wow. Now, you tell me the chance of that happening. The angels
0: were right there with you, helping pave the way for this huge victory. And the fact that you can turn around and talk about it and have, you know, people don't always win those kind of battles. That's, Amazing and the to have the help that you had. Well, you have an amazing life, Julie Ryan. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to an amazing statement that you make early on in this book. Now your book is called Angelic Attendance. Okay. Um, folks, Angelic Attendance is an, an incredible, an incredible book about the transitioning about this 12 stages of transitioning um Julie uh, I'm just going to open the floor and ask you to just give us the inspiration for this book
1: when my mother was dying in 2002 in Columbus I had been doing um I learned how to do all this woo woo stuff Sherry <laughs> I mean, I'm not one of these psychics that's had dead people chasing her since childhood. (laughs) Excuse me. Or if I did, I didn't know it. Let me put it that way. And and so, I was interested in medical stuff, obviously, because I've been in—I was in the medical supply industry for 35 years, and I—I somebody gave me a book about medical intuitives. I thought, what the heck's a medical intuitive? I'd never heard of that before. And I read the book and I was intrigued that quantum physics, that energy can be used to help heal. Ah, and now what's the name of the book? The name of the book is called Hands of Light. Hands of Light. And it was written by a woman named Barbara Brennan, Okay. who's a former NASA physicist. Yes. Okay. So I'm reading this book and I'm thinking, holy moly, you know, this, if this is feasible. This would be amazing. And so I wanted to learn more. So I, I called after I finished her book, she had a school on Long Island at the time. I called to see if there were any uh of her graduates that were in my area that were teaching. Mm-hmm. And at that time I was living in Nashville. By that time I was living in Nashville. And so I um found out again, divine guidance. There was one graduate who had a school that she just opened in Nashville.
0: Oh, no. <laughs>
1: yeah. And that was 20 over 25 years ago. Uh, and I so I studied wow. with her for formally for about six years. I she's still my mentor and my dear friend. And I try and see her at least once or twice a quarter because I. I work on people all over the world. I zap on people all over the world. She's the one that zaps on me. Her name (laughs) is Her name is Susan Austin Crumpton, Crumpton. and and the school is called the School of Healing Arts in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay,
0: that's great. Mm. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Now she's still. So she's your stays your mentor, and you still connect with her when you need to. Sort Absolutely. Okay, very, goes.
1: very dear friend. And mm-hmm. um she's just, she's just fabulous. She's in her se- mid seventies now. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I have the opportunity to go up and have her zap on me, I'm there because Nashville is about three hours north of me here in Birmingham. Neat. And I don't know how much longer she's going to want to do this. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just all about anytime I can spend with Susan on a one-on-one is just, it's just a gift. Were you studying
0: with Susan when your mother was, um, passing or Yes. How, yes. Okay. Let's go yeah. back to that. Well,
1: yes, I, I think I, I was done with my formal training. I did six years of formal training with her of classes. And interestingly wow. enough, Sherry, it, it cost me oh four or five times the money to learn how to do this stuff than it did to put me through the, put myself through the Ohio state university for a bachelor's degree. Oh. So, uh, hmm. those of us from the Ohio state university, we always get a laugh by putting the D <laughs> in front of it. And since you're from Columbus, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so it was formalized training where there was homework and it was, yeah, you know, all this other stuff that was going on. So I had finished that at that point, but I, I hadn't ever seen what happens when somebody's dying before from a spiritual standpoint. And my mother was an educator, Sherry. And so she really, I think gave me this final parting gift of letting me witness what happens spiritually with her when amazing. she was dying. And so amazing. that I could share it with the world. Uh, it's
0: just, it's just, uh, it's just so, it's it's just so amazing. Now, when you, we're going through this experience with your mom. Um, is that when you could start to differentiate these stages? Because you had this huge, uh, experience with the, just the, 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 the visual of what you saw with your mom, right?
1: Well, we're all spirits. In a body, having a human experience, and our Mm -hmm. spirits, Sherry, are the power source for our human bodies, Uh which is why when somebody dies and their spirit leaves their body, the body doesn't work anymore. Uh And so, when somebody's dying, whether it's an instant death, like they're killed in a car accident or something, something really, some kind of tragedy where it's where they have a heart attack, and they you hear so and so drop dead of a heart attack, and Mm -hmm. it's very fast. All, everybody goes through what I have coined the 12 phases of transition. Mm-hmm. And it can take a second to do it, or it can take days, weeks, months mm-hmm. for people to go through these transitions. So, to answer your question, I saw all of these with my mother the first time. Mm-hmm. And then, subsequently, after, and I was so, I was just amazing, is just isn't enough of an adjective to describe what I was witnessing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, after that, I worked with many, many, many other people throughout the years. And I would say probably within a few years, I had come up that, okay, these are nuances that everybody goes through when they're dying. And so that's how I came up with the 12 phases of transition. And I Drew, what the configuration of angels that surround us and our dying loved ones, what they are. And everybody's always in the same configuration. So I can scan, I can connect with anybody anywhere in the world that's dying. And in a nanosecond, I can tell you how close to death they are. I can telepathically communicate with the person who's dying. I can um, communicate between the person and the family. Cause oftentimes, there are family members that are flying in from out of town, taking off work, spending oh, a lot of money, extraordinary. you know, all
0: and, of that. And, and you ask these two questions. I was so, I'm, I'm so moved by the compassion that it allows in the whole process is the compassion of being able to intuitively ask the person who's departing, are you ready to go? Yes or no. Are you in pain? Yes or no. What do you need? What do you need? Mm -hmm. That's amazing to me because you have now allowed for this other experience that the whole paradigm has shifted of how people are coming into the room because you have, you've made a diagram. We can bring this, we
1: can visualize this.
0: Well, and to
1: to that point, Sherry, there was a family, there is a family here in Birmingham and they go to our church. And I know, um, this friend of mine who goes to this church. Well, her sister-in-law was dying. Big, huge Italian family. I mean, her husband and, and her brother-in-law, this dying woman's husband, they're one of 10 children. Mm. And then, and I helped the family and I was involved throughout. And I, when I went over to meet with her husband before she died, I took these 12 phases of transition, the graphics and I had printed them off in color and I took them in a manila folder. Yeah. Yeah. And I just gave them to him. And so the night she was dying, I mean, the woman who was dying told me what she wanted to be wearing when she was on her last you know, breath. She, she had Bless a her. specific nightgown and negligee robe mm. she wanted to wear. Mm. She told me what kind of flowers she wanted on her casket. She told me she just wanted her husband in the bed with her. Mm. And, and she did, she just wanted to be held, you know, when she mm. took her last breath. I mean, all this mm. just heartwarming stuff. So the night she was, she was on her, her last leg, her sister-in-law, my friend called me and she said, I just got to tell you something. I said, what? (laughs) She said, she's hilarious. I'm sure she is. I'm telling you, there are a hundred people in this house. And when she said, it's where everybody's at peace. There's a sense of joy. She said, we, when somebody comes in, we hand them your, your graphics, we pass oh, around the manila folder. Oh. Nobody needs to say anything. Everybody knows what's happening. They know she's oh. surrounded by angels. They know she's surrounded by her deceased loved ones and her deceased pets. She said, normally this family would be just bouncing off the walls. She said, I have never witnessed anything remotely like this ever in any occasion, let alone when a loved one's dying. And she said, it's all because of these drawings and the comfort that knowing that she's surrounded, you know, by angels and loved ones. She goes, it doesn't get any better than that.
0: You have offered up this ritual on paper so that people can live into that and breathe into that and it's i congratulations everybody stop what you're doing write this down angelic attendance Age, angelic attendance and is it is it available on
1: the website where else can it is. Again? It's, it's available at AskJulieRyan.com, Sherry. Mm-hmm. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Oh, okay. good. It's okay. available in, um, paperback, mm-hmm. in ebook, and also an audiobook. Mm. So it's available in all of those different, um, you know, That's genres so cool. or whatever you call it. But, but the cool thing about the 12 phases of transition that I realized at my mother's funeral, mm-hmm. I was raised Roman Catholic. And at the end of every Roman Catholic funeral, and I've been oh. to many of them in oh. my lifetime, there's a prayer that's said, that's said at the end of every Catholic funeral, and it's called In Paradisum. And it talks about the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. And I was kneeling there thinking, holy lordy, I, this is what I saw. Oh. This prayer that, Sherry, I can, the best I can find from a research standpoint is it originated as a fifth century Gregorian chant. Oh, oh, I love that. And I thought, oh my goodness, the monk or monks that wrote this prayer, this chant that now is in a prayer. Sometimes it's sung. A lot of the times it's just said Mm. verbally. I thought, oh my word, these monks could see What I just saw happen with my mother Uh, and in subsequent years have happened, have seen happen, you know, countless times.
0: Wow. As an entrepreneur, are you a business coach? I'm not. Okay. Okay. But if people sometimes can work with you to get some answers to problems, things that are besetting them, is that right or not right? Right.
1: Absolutely. Okay. I laugh. Sherry, I say I'm a businesswoman that does woo-woo and I'm a <laughs> way of psychicness. So yeah, you. I, I have. Um, I I work with a lot of people on medical issues. Yes. Um, doctors send patients to me when they can't figure out what the heck's going on. Mm-hmm. Clients come to me when they've been to five doctors and they're getting five different diagnoses. Mm-hmm. I work. I would say most of the work that I do is medical related, mm-hmm. but I I do medical scans on people. Do energetic healings on people. The energetic healings I see are just remarkable. And a lot of them can range from something being removed or added. I see stem cell energy regenerate oh. new body parts. I watch energetic surgeries happen. I watch DNA get recoded, for instance, in cancer patients, oh, watch the Julie. gene mutations Julie. get corrected coming wow. out of the chromosomes, the DNA. It's, that's fascinating. I'm working with some world famous geneticists on that to help with the research on that. Oh, Julie. We, we <laughs> Thank can talk you. To, we can talk to. Deceased loved ones. I can scan pets. We do spirit guide stuff, past life stuff. Funny, funny thing. We do, um, or I do, is is people will say, "I'm buying this house. Can you scan it? Let me know what I need to tell the inspector." And I'll scan a house, and then I'll write up a list of everything that I'm seeing, and they'll hand it to the inspector before they close on the loan. And- <laughs> And it'll say like there's rotten wood in the upper left eave on the third uh-huh. floor of the uh-huh. dormer window or whatever. And the inspector's going, "What?" But Dude, Julie, I, I so, do that a lot. And so, so great. So I'm a buffet of psychicness, and then of course I work with families who have a loved one who's dying, <sighs> and and I talk about my whole journey of getting to this after 25 years. I think it's the first chapter in my book is kind of. Here's a background.
0: Yes. Julie, you say that connecting doesn't need cards, doesn't need crystals. Connecting and healing is about energy. Correct. Okay.
1: Can you, can we do a deep dive into that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Sure. Everything is made of energy. Uh, you know, go back to your third grade science class, <laughs> we all mm-hmm. learned that everything's energy and the body is energy. And so as I perceive the body, most people that are raised in Judeo Christian religions or cultures are taught that the soul, the spirit, the energy field, all the same thing in my world um, is somewhere in the body. I was taught it was somewhere in the chest area. That's not what I perceive, Sherry. What I perceive is that the soul, the spirit, the energy field, all the same thing, is is the main part of us and the body's inside of it. Ooh. Okay. Wow. So it, and it's uh, it's the energy source, as I mentioned, for powering our human body. And energy, if it's gonna be used for a specific purpose, needs to have some kind of a container. Mm-hmm. And the container that I perceive, I've coined the energy field membrane. So a really good analogy that I've come up with, I think it's good as a visual, is imagine going to the pet store and you buy a goldfish and you're taking it home. They're going to put it in a bag of water for you to get it home, put it in a fish fishbowl or an aquarium or whatever. Well, if you can envision that goldfish swimming around in that bag of water, Sherry, mm-hmm. the goldfish represents our body the water represents our spirit and the plastic bag represents our energy field membrane. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I connect with somebody energetically, I raise my vibrational level to the level of spirit because when we're spirits in a body, we vibrate more slowly simply because the body has mass. Mm -hmm. So when we're in non-physical or spirit form, we vibrate really fast. Mm -hmm. So I've learned how to, I turn my abilities on and off at will. Mm-hmm. I don't walk around scanning people. because uh-huh. Number one, I don't think it's ethical. Number two, uh, it's none of my business. Number three, I don't really want to know. Mm-hmm. Imagine being in a mob of people and getting information. Well, that one's got this. This one's got that. Yeah. I'm not interested. Right. Plus, I'm all about the privacy thing. Uh-huh. You know, everything's completely confidential. Uh-huh. So I raise my vibrational level. I close my eyes. And in my mind's eye, it's like I have a big screen TV. And let's say I'm scanning you, Sherry. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say to you, Sherry, we're gonna place we're gonna play secret agent girls in a Star Trek movie. <laughs>
0: okay. Of so- course. Of course I'm <laughs> on the board for that. That's
1: right. So what's gonna happen is I'm gonna watch a laser beam come from my body here in Birmingham, Alabama. It's gonna come down and hook into you in New Orleans. Looks like it reminds me of an a sketch. You ah. know, where the line just kinda connects, ah. but it's lit up. Uh I connect to you in a second. This is what I I do with people all over the world. Uh My laser beam connects into them. I shoot energy from your feet up through the top of your head, and it's like I'm looking at a hologram of you. Beam me (sighs) up, Scotty. Okay? Uh And then what's going to happen next is the energy is going to go where it's most needed first. You may tell me your left elbow hurts. It's going to go to your right knee. After 25 years, I trust where it goes. Uh It's going to go to your, it's going to say it goes to your right knee. So I'm going to identify what's going on. Immediately thereafter, there will be some kind of an energetic procedure happen. Uh Again. Uh-huh. Can be a surgery. Can be whatever stem cell energy going into your knee joint. I mean, uh-huh. whatever. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to make several passes through you, and then at that point I'm going to be looking to see if there are any tears or holes in your energy field membrane,
0: mm-hmm. because
1: that allows an energy leak,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and that's caused by some kind of an emotional something something that happened at some point in your life. Mm-hmm. Somebody could have called you a bad name when you were three and it hurts your feelings, or it could be something really dramatic. I'll be shown a scene. I'll be given a year. I'll be told how old you were. Oh my if it, God. If it's a past life, I'll be given where you were, what the year was. I did a client um a couple of days ago and she had been in the Netherlands in the 1700s and she was a woman and there was a, there were army guys as part of an invasion that came through her farm and caused a bunch of problems. And I don't know, I don't know Dutch history. So we Googled it and oh my God, right there, there's the, there's the war, there's the Ooh. army guys. They looked, there was a, a image of oh exactly God. what they looked like. Oh so my it's God. really, it's really fun. But the key is once we illuminate what caused that energy block, yeah. it rel- not only clears it, it clears all the other subsequent energy blocks, like topple in a, a row of dominoes.
0: Oh, I get it. I get it. That's amazing.
1: When that happens, that tear in that energy field membrane, which reminds me of really thin, stretchy saran wrap, mm. repairs. I shoot energy through the person one last time and the mm-hmm. body lights up. And the body's now working on full power. And that's important because the body's always going to return to hell in homeostasis if we get out of the way and we fix it. Oh, oh, okay.
0: But then hold on. Hold on, Missy. Because on page 19 of your book, I was dying for the opportunity to ask you a question about this this sentence that you say healing can take place even if the pain and sickness continues, even if the person dies from their illness or injury. Right. Okay. Right. What does that mean? What does that that mean?
1: What that means is we all incarnate many, many times, many lifetimes to have the human experience and nuances of a particular experience. So let's say new, and we all choose where we're born, when we're born to whom we're born. We choose our parents Mm -hmm. and that's cool. I can see baby's energy attached to the mother's energy field before they're conceived. That's Mm -hmm. very cool. And, um, and so let's say you were, um, a murderer in a past life. So you want to come in this time and you want to be the one who's murdered. So that's your soul's path. But in the meantime, if your soul's path is You want to heal your body, you can heal your body. If your soul's path on this round is you want to feel what it feels like to be murdered and get killed and not be able to recover when you're in the hospital from whatever happened, that's your soul's path too. So the body always has the potential to heal itself. And remember, the body's contained in the spirit or the soul.
0: Mm.
1: So it's always the soul's path and what the soul wants to experience in this lifetime. Okay,
0: does that make sense? The
1: healing is on the soul level, on the soul level, and the body's inside of the soul. Mm. And and the best way I love that I can see it that too, Sherry. A couple of ways. If you've ever seen a picture where where somebody's aura is yes. seen around them. Oh, sure. That's their spirit. That's their soul. That's their energy field. The body's oh, inside of it. Wow. If you look at a picture of a religious figure, like Jesus or the Virgin Mary or a saint or Buddha or whoever, and you can see the halo around their head or their body. Sure. That's their energy field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The painters of long ago could see this. But, so that's how it started. And then through the millennia, We've just equated that with somebody who's holy. When in essence, we're all holy. We all have halos. We all have energy fields. We all have spirits.
0: We all have angels.
1: <laughs> we all have angels. We all have guardian angels that stay with us from lifetime to lifetime.
0: Yes. I loved the way that you describe, described how our guardian angels take, um, they, they take, they take their place during this transition. Can you talk about that?
1: Sure. Sure. When somebody is dying, their spirit leaves their body. So that hologram that is the spirit in the body leaves and it hangs onto to the top of the head. It looks like a cartoon caption bubble, you know, where the words are in a cartoon. Sure. And then as they progress into different phases, phase three is where angels start to appear. And the, the um, closest maternal parental, relatives. So if your mother's still alive, it's going to be your maternal grandmother if she's deceased and your maternal grandfather. Mm -hmm. If they're alive, it's going to be your maternal grandmother's parents. The maternal relative spirit is the one who runs the show when somebody's dying, calls in the angels. Mm -hmm. All right. She's in charge. So these angels appear and these are big old angels as they appear to me, Sherry. Uh I mean, uh-huh. they're like between six and seven feet tall. They have cascading curls, hair down to their shoulders. Big old wings. They're in a white gown, belted at the waist with a with a vanilla covered, colored rope. Mm. That's how they look to me, so I can identify them I because get it. that's how I was raised in Catholic school. Angels look. Mm-hmm. All right. Does that mean that's really what they look like? Who knows. But that's how I can see who they are.
0: Everyone has their own, uh, has their own vision. Everyone has their own unique signature. Correct. Can you tell me, um, about the angelic, how the angels act as escorts in the transition? I, we, we, okay. Yes, please.
1: Yeah. When it's time for somebody to go on to heaven. And by the way, everybody goes to heaven regardless (laughs) of how awful we think they are. All the negative traits for humans stay with the body when somebody transitions and Uh their spirit goes back to heaven. So the most awful people you've ever read about in history or heard about or met are everybody's spirits, pure love and light. Okay. Pure. Everybody's pure. Thank you. So, so the angels, guardian angels and that's who surrounds the person as they're dying when they get to um phase nine of the um the uh phases of transition actually between phase nine and phase 10 there's this vacuum that opens above the the um head of the person who's dying and there's a vortex that forms and in about phase five there are extra angels that appear and they're on either side of the spirit bubble Mm. and their wings start to move Sherry Mm. at this very slow pace. And it reminds me of a giant owl. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. if you've seen like a documentary or something of a giant owl flying Mm. their wings, you can almost feel the drag from the wings. So they start, their wings start to move and they move in this slow rhythmic motion both both of these angels not the ones that are surrounding the person who's dying just the ones that are next to the spirit bubble mm-hmm. and that movement creates an upward vortex it's mm-hmm. like driving through the car wash when you stay in the car and you get to the end and the water gets sucked off your car by that big dryer <laughs> yes. you know? yes.
0: yeah yeah so yeah, helps, yeah yeah, yeah. Helps
1: the spirit separate from the body And, um, and so the thing that's so cool about it is when I was researching, when I was writing my book, I thought, I'm just going to research this for kicks and, and see if there's any kind of drag or vortex formed by owl's wings. Well, not only is there by owl's wings and every other kind of bird or flying insect, but jets and planes and, all that stuff—it's called a wingtip vortex, and Ooh. when the movement of the wing, how the air goes over it, mm-hmm. it causes this vortex, which is an upward lift, which is what causes the birds and the planes to be able to lift into Well,
0: the sky. now I understand. Pretty cool. Huh? <laughs> I was like, "Oh
1: my god, that's this is amazing!" Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then the angels escort the person's spirit to heaven. Yeah. And I always watch them escort up and to the right. Oh, and, I and I don't know what that's about, but that's just, and in, in in a lot of old masters paintings of somebody dying and angels carrying them off, it's always up and to the right as I'm looking at it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what that is. There is a
0: congruence. But. There is a congruence through m- millennia of those factors, those things. And as we all know, angels don't have a religion. You know, certainly death has no religion and these having these forces with us, knowing they've, they're there is so, it's just so, and I'm going to say grounding uh, in a strange way. It's grounding us in the next world, in the other side, in the, in the possibility of grace. And, and you have this beautiful description now here I go getting crazy again. This this beautiful description of grace,
1: right? Grace yeah. just looks like this these sparkles that flow through the air. Oh. When when, I, when my the first time I saw it was when my mother was dying and my family was praying in her room, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, this is cool. What's this? I had never seen it before, and and. I thought, well, maybe this is, this is, I don't know, there's some kind of serious special mojo going on here. (laughs) So, So I, I watched, um, I watched grace flow around the room when we were praying. And then when we stopped, it stopped. And then when my dad would, would read something out of a prayer book or something, my, my dad, I need to back up. My dad was almost a priest, Sherry. He oh, went wow. to the seminary in Rome, graduated oh, from the, my the, the goodness. Gregorian University, lived at the North American College which they call the Pope's Harvard, oh. and he went on the GI bill after World War II. Wow. And he um, he left six about 6 months before he was to be ordained. So, I mean, my family was really like steeped in the Catholic, they drank the Kool-Aid on the Catholic stuff.
0: Did, would your father grow, yeah. grow up in Ohio?
1: He did, Columbus.
0: Amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> this is awesome. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah. ahead. So, so the, the most comforting thing about the angels I've heard from people, um, throughout the years as I've done this work with families who have a loved one who's dying is I've heard things like my mom had a heart attack and dropped dead and she was by herself. And that, that just, just, I hate that. You know, it's really bothered me that she was by herself when she Mm. left. And this woman said to me, it gives me so much comfort to know that she was surrounded by angels and her deceased loved ones that, that nobody really dies alone. Yes. And I said, you're right. And then the other thing that I hear from people is that they've been taught and really the hospice literature too, Sherry will say, don't be surprised if Grandma is sees deceased loved ones mm. um, and starts talking to them, and and everybody thinks, well, Grandma's just really losing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Grandma's hallucinating. Yeah. Grandma's not hallucinating. Those deceased loved ones are really there mm-hmm. because I I describe them to the family, describe the pets that are there, and they say, oh, well, that's you know Uncle Charlie, or that's Grandma's you know youngest sister, or yeah. that's whatever. Yeah. What's really funny is. I can always tell somebody has either lived on or grown up on a farm because when they're dying, they have like cows and chickens and stuff, the <laughs> farm animals, spirits in the room. And I'll say, okay, there's there's cows and here's what they look <sighs> like. And they're these chickens and ducks and pigs. And then they'll will say, well, yeah, Susie grew up on a farm. Uh, they see
0: all of the... All of that beautiful energy comes to bear, to help lift, but also just to give love. I mean, you have this beautiful description of when one person, this one person, you didn't realize this one person had people praying. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. I went, well, and you saw these angels. Prayer is a, um, is, uh, harnessing of energy for one specific purpose mm-hmm. so when prayer is being said and all of us have either known somebody who's asked for prayer or we've asked for it ourselves and there are all these prayer networks and it doesn't really matter what the religion is or a matter of even if anybody's religious and so what happens is when we all focus on one specific outcome like you know Um, my dad's having surgery and please pray for my dad. I see examples of the amount of prayer being said when I'm scanning somebody when they're in the operating room, for instance, or if they're dying or whatever, because in the operating room and now mind you, I was in and out of operating rooms for decades in my career there. I can scan somebody when they're on the operating table. I can tell what the Surgeons are doing. I can tell you how many surgeons are in a room. I can tell you who the deceased loved ones are in the room. The guardian angel of that person who's the patient is always flying over the head of the anesthesiologist. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all of that, but Mm -hmm. there are also massive numbers of other spirits in the room. And it always, there's always a correlation, Sherry, between the amount of prayer being said for a person and the number of spirits that are in the room to support that patient. Spirits. It's
0: uncanny. And it comes uncanny. as a hologram. It's a hologram. a
1: hologram. They're all a hologram of what they look like oh, in awesome. the lifetime that they lived. So if I'm trying to identify them and I can tell the family so they can identify who it is. Can I, can I tell a quick story about oh, that? Oh, of course. Okay. Yes. I was working with a family in San Francisco and I was in Birmingham and the wife was on the operating room table and she was having spinal, um, spinal fusion done, which is a six hour procedure Mm. normally. And so, um, her guardian angels over the head and the anesthesiologist, her deceased loved ones are there. And I said to her husband, her husband and I were on the phone back and forth. And he said, I said, there's all these spirits in there and they just look like they're, they're dirty. I said, they look like chimney sweeps from the Mary Poppins movie. And he said, well, and I said, it's like they got you know, soot on them. And he said, well, a lot of my wife's family is originally from West Virginia. and oh. Many generations of her family members were coal miners. Wow. And I said, that's it. They had soot on them. So I could identify that those were her deceased relatives that were in the operating room with her. So I could tell her husband so he could tell the family and they all knew who was in there. The other thing was with that same patient, there was this woman who had, she was a grandma looking woman. She, I remember she had on this blue house dress. Her hair was in a bun. She had white hair. And she had on one of those little sweaters that had pearls that button up the front. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love
0: those sweaters.
1: Yeah. And I said, this woman was with her in recovery. She was with her in the (sighs) room. She was with her when she went home. And as soon as I described her in the recovery room, he texted me back a few minutes later and he said, I called her sister in West Virginia and she identified that as their grandma Anne. Oh. so wow. spirits show up as a hologram of themselves, but they show up in such a way so that I can identify them, help the family identify who they are.
0: Same with pets. Oh, it's just awesome. And they show up as in spirit to help. Exactly. to guide to mm-hmm. calm whatever mm-hmm. is that right i mean uh, when you i this is a dynamic i never really understood this before when you i am praying okay i'm mm-hmm. praying someone is in surgery and i'm sending them prayer and that prayer is sending their spirits of their loved ones to be present and that is that right do i have that right
1: That's part of it. Okay. And what's the other part of it? Part of the equation. The other part is the healing energy that goes to that person that's having surgery. Thank you. Okay. So when we all collectively pray or meditate or think good thoughts or some people just say, okay, I'm sending, I'm sending healing energy or we all can do this. I mean, when I, when I learned how to do Sherry, Anybody can learn. It's like if you want to be a lawyer, you go to law school. If you want to go to be a, be yeah. a film person like you, you go to film school. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn yeah. how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So when we all collectively send energy to that person, it benefits that person, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is just remarkable. Yes. It's remarkable. The yes. other thing is all the people who are there in surgery with somebody, they're there to help support them and all the people who are there when somebody's dying as one of the 12 phases of transition and near the end, they can be so numerous that they look like dots on the horizon. Mm. I call them the welcome to heaven committee. Ah, uh, yeah. Because if we go back to what I said earlier. That in paradisum prayer, mm-hmm. you know, the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. Yes. They're the welcome. Do you remember the old welcome wagon sure. ladies? Oh, yeah. When you moved to a new neighborhood, you know, they would bring you a basket of goodies. Sure. And sure. I have a new neighbor here in the deep south. I took her a basket of peaches uh, <laughs> because that's what you do, you so know, when somebody nice. moves in. Yes. And, yes. um, and so this is part of the welcome to heaven committee that I see with the 12 phases of transitions. But the other really interesting thing to me with these phases, Sherry, is that the angels form the barrier between the spirit world and our human world mm. when somebody's transitioning. So they show up initially and they surround the patient. As they're dying, as the patient gets closer and closer to death, that circle starts to open up into a horseshoe around the patient. You know, will be like at the patient's head and a horseshoe at the patient's shoulders, their Mm -hmm. hips, whatever. Mm -hmm. Eventually they're in a straight line at the feet of the patient Mm -hmm. and the patient's maternal. Parental units, mm-hmm. parental relatives are anchoring that line of angels. So again, mm. it's the spirits that bring in the angels. It's mm-hmm. the mother spirit mm. that brings in the angels. Wow. But the angels near the end, when there are thousands of spirits that are in the room to welcome the person to heaven, the angels mm-hmm. act as that line of demarcation, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is fascinating because after all, they're guardian angels. Yes and so they're they're guarding the person um and letting the person experience the human experience mm-hmm. till the very end till it's time for them to go back to heaven mhm mhm and i also see archangels and i see cherubs and i see stuff like that but when somebody's dying i all i only see guardian angels at the funeral sometimes i'll see cherubs over the casket you know, during the funeral mm-hmm, service,
0: mm-hmm,
1: um, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll see guardian angels that are present at other times, but I find it so fascinating that, that the guardian angels are there with us throughout all of our lifetimes. And they're there with us when we're transitioning back to, to spirit. And to your point earlier that you made about that it really can change the dynamic of how we view the death and dying process, you know, there's lots of information about out there about near death experiences mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the five phases of grief and all that. But there, I haven't been able to find anything about this is what really goes on as somebody's dying. And that's what we're really afraid of is the unknown of yes. what? What? heck's going to happen when we're dying. May I tell you a quick story about how I was led to get this information out? Sure. Sure.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: When I was with my mentor, Susan, up in Nashville, Whenever I I meet with her, part of our session is I lie on a massage table and she does energy healing on me. Mm -hmm. And so my deceased loved ones surround me and they're part of the healing and my eyes are closed. It's like I'm watching this movie happen. Yeah. Who needs LSD? I mean, just learn how to do woo woo. You got. Yeah. all the wild stuff you ever want to see, you know, without, without <laughs> any drugs or alcohol involved. No tear on your system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So one day, many years ago, this spirit showed up and it was a Pope. It was a dead <gasps> Pope. Oh,
0: I and love this story. Yes, and go. He had,
1: he had the whole Pope outfit on, you mm-hmm. know, the hat, the pointy hat and the vestments and the red shoes. And he had that staff, like a shepherd's staff. And I said to him, I was talking with him telepathically, which is how angels and spirits communicate. I said, Well, who are you? Or, or, I don't even, I think what I said first was, May I help you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, who are you? So I said, I said, Well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, Okay, how can I help you? And he said, Uh, I thought, well, I even said to Susan aloud because she could see him. I said, well, is there a Pope Clement? i never heard of a Pope Clement. She said, Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. So he laughed and he said, yeah, I was number six. I was like, okay, uh-huh. good. So I said, can I help you? And he said, yeah, you can just get this information out about what happens when somebody's dying because everybody's so afraid of dying. Mm. And it's crazy because there's nothing to fear. And, you know, you just need to get on the ball and you need to you need to get this information out. <laughs> I said, well. You don't understand. I, I'm a businesswoman. I, you know, I I don't do this woo-woo stuff in public. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Yeah, I get all that." And mm. part of your life's mission is to inform the world about what happens when somebody's dying. Oh. Okay, fine. So, <laughs> needless to say, when I left Susan's, I got in my car. I pull up on my phone, <sighs> Google Pope Clement the yes, Sixth, Sherry. Yes. Pope Clement the Sixth is was in office during the bubonic plague. Oh my when goodness. Two thirds of Europe died. Yeah. And he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I'm going, Oh my God, I oh. can't make this stuff up. Yeah. And so yeah. it took me another seven or eight years before I really mustered the courage <laughs> to get this information out. And what I hear from people now with whom I've worked and also people who've read the book is so much gratitude for, I gave this to my, everybody in my family when we were dealing with my mother dying, I gave this to everybody in my family after my mother died. And it has brought so much peace to people. So I'm a conduit Mm -hmm. for getting this information out. Mm -hmm. And Pope Clement is there prodding me. (laughs) And if I can help anybody, askjulieryan.com. There you go. You can reach me on my website. I do a show. We recorded every Thursday night, Sherry, where people call in from all over the world and ask me questions about- Oh, oh, and where is it? Where is it? How do we find it? AskJulieRyan.com. the call-in information's there it's Thursdays. at seven central every thursday night people oh. call in they have a loved one who's dying they want to know what phase their grandmother or whoever's in i help them with that medical questions scan pets do past life stuff scan oh. buildings i mean it's a blast it's gotta be it's so much, thank it's thank so much you. fun
0: oh thank you julie if you liked this recording and benefited from it please for heaven's sake share it with your friends if you loved it and want to hear more go to theglitchmovie.com forward slash how to connect with angels where you can listen and subscribe thank you so much